Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode. God bless you and welcome to you, and I trust that these are being a blessing to you. Today we are in the book of Revelation, and we are moving forward in Revelation chapter 11, and we should be able to conclude that in probably this episode, maybe maybe one more. So I think we're drawing close to chapter 11's conclusion, and then we will move into chapter 12. There are a couple of other points I want to bring out, and so one of those we're going to focus on today. So to begin today, I'd like to read this section of Revelation chapter 11 again. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. We've looked at this chapter in quite some detail, and even in the last episode we looked at this declaration, and we began to understand more about this. I want to focus on this declaration again in verses 16 through 19. We read verse 15 through 19, and now let's look at this declaration that was given in verse 15 and the response. We're mainly focusing today on the response. Notice who this response is from. The elders, the 24 elders, which we've already covered, appears to be the church, the entirety of the believer's priesthood. Notice how they respond. They fall down in awe, in reverence, and in worship and they worship God. They are in the very presence of the Lord, and this declaration has come forth about the kingdoms of this world, now becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And so this is a very holy moment. In God's presence, there is an awe and there is a reverence, and we need to always have that. Is God our friend? Yes, he is. Does he love us unconditionally? Yes, he does. Is he gracious and merciful? Yes, he is. But he is also a holy God. He is also a just God. He is a God to be feared, a God to be revered, a God to be respected, a God to be honored, and a God to be worshipped. And so we see the response being just that giving him honor, giving him glory, giving him respect and worship that he and he alone is due. Notice the declaration that they now make. First of all, 
They begin with thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving, giving him thanks for who he is, for how he works, and for what he has done. Praise be to the Lord. They thank him and they, they address him as the Lord God, the Almighty El Shaddai, he was called in the Old Testament, the Almighty God, the God of more than enough, the God who can even do the impossible, what, it, what appears to be impossible in the natural. And they worship and thank the great I am, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the eternally self-existent one, the one who is immutable, unchanging. He was who he is and he was who he will be. He is who he was and he is now who he will be. He will be the same as he was and he will be the same as he is now. He is immutable. He does not change. In Malachi, the Lord said, I am the Lord. I change not. He is the great I am, the one who was and who is and who is to come. And he is worthy of thanksgiving. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of honor. And here in this declaration, they list two reasons for this at this time. Their reasons that they express in this particular prayer and declaration is that he has taken his great power, his dunamis, mighty power, his ability, his supernatural power, his might and his ability he has taken it. He has taken it. He has taken it in his hand. He has taken hold of it. He has procured it. And when taken, will not let go. It's his. It belongs to him. It also means to take what is one's own. It's belonged to him all the time. But now he is taking possession of it and bringing it into full execution and full completion. He is taking what is his own, his great power, and he is reigning. In the Greek, when you look up the, the Greek tenses and so forth, it means he has begun to reign. Just like we talked about, it's now on. It's now begun it's a done deal, and it will not be changed. Everything now is set in motion. He has begun to reign. He's been pouring out these judgments prior to now, but this is pivotal as we've seen this sounding of the seventh trumpet. And from this point on, he is beginning to usher in his eternal reign and dominion. Praise be to God. Verse 18 hearkens us back to Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, because it talks about the nations being angry, and yet God, who is in full control, knows exactly what he's doing, and he is bringing to pass all of his will. 
So let's read Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 9 again in light of this context of where we are and this declaration and the worship response that is proceeding from the elders in this passage. So in light of that, Psalm chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, says this, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath, and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. This is now coming to pass. He has begun to reign. He will be established as king of all kings on the holy hill of Zion in Jerusalem, fulfilling all the prophetic words, and he will rule with a rod of iron, as was prophesied in earlier scriptures as well, as well as this place and throughout the word of God. This also tells us of God's wrath, the Lord's wrath that is coming upon the earth. In Revelation here in chapter 11 and verse 18, it talks about the nations being angry and his wrath coming. Notice this word come. It has arrived. It is now coming to pass. There is no turning back. We saw earlier where there is no more delay. In other words, time's up. Time's up. It's set in motion now. And we know the reasons for it. We've talked about several of these already in past episodes. So I will mention several of these scriptures. And I do want to read a few of them. One of them is in John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The reason? Because he has refused to believe, refused to repent, and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus asked his disciples at one time, he said, who do you Say that I am. Do you see, beloved friend, that's the question that every single person must answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you believe that he is the Son of God come in the flesh, lived a sinless life, died on the cross as a substitute for you, taking upon himself all of your sins, the whole punishment of all the sin that you have ever committed and taking that upon himself 
bearing the guilt and the shame of it, enduring the punishment, paying the death penalty in your place that you should have paid. And have you received that atonement that he has provided through what he has done? Have you believed in him for your salvation? Have you called upon him and asked him to forgive you of your sins, to wash your sins away, and to come into your life? Have you surrendered to him? Is he your Lord and Savior? Oh, beloved friend, I pray he is. If you've not done that yet, do it now. I implore you by the grace and mercy of God in the name of Jesus. I implore you to come to him because he's offering salvation to you now. Call upon him and all who will call in sincere faith upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We are told that in the scripture. Let that faith arise in you right now. Call upon him and believe in him for your salvation, your personal salvation. He died for the whole world, but not everybody in the world is receiving him. And those who do receive him, those who believe in him, just like this verse says, will have everlasting life. But those who do not believe, who will refuse and repent, refuse to repent, who will refuse to repent and reject him, the wrath of God abides on those people. That's what we're talking about here. This wrath of God is now coming. Time's up and it's coming upon them if they will not repent. Another scripture that speaks of this is Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Another one, Romans chapter 2, verse 5. Let's read Romans chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Verse 6, who will render to each according to his deeds. Verse 7, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Verse 8, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. So that was through verse 9. God's day of wrath is now come. It has come upon the scene and it's Wrapping up, time's up, time's up. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 6, also speak about the wrath of God abiding on the sons of disobedience, those who refuse to repent and call upon the Son of the living God. Psalm chapter 21, verses 8 through 13. Beginning in verse 8, it says this in Psalm 21. Your hand will find all your enemies. Your right hand will find those who hate you. You shall make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. 
The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their offspring you shall destroy from the earth, and their descendants from among the sons of men. For they intended evil against you. They devised a plot which they are not able to perform. Therefore you will make them turn their back. You will make ready your arrows on your string toward their faces. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing and praise your power. So we see this as another scripture speaking of where we're talking about in Revelation chapter 11. Isaiah 13, 13 is another one. Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 19 is another one. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 18 is another one. And I want to read Nahum chapter 1, verse 2. In Nahum chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. Continuing in verse 3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. God will have his day of vengeance and righteous judgment and everlasting justice is coming. True justice for all the wrongs that have been done. The declaration here includes coming and impending judgment for all who are dead. From all time, it's talking about here. Every person in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it tells us that it is appointed to men once to die, and after that, the judgment. At the moment you die, whatever choice you made concerning Jesus Christ in your life, you will be subject to the judgment for that category of person. There are only two. You either accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, believe upon him in this life and be saved, and you will face a particular judgment. If you do not receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before you breathe your last breath, you will face a far different judgment. There are only two. One of them we're given the details of to some degree in Revelation chapter 20. That one is the one for the unbeliever. That is the one for those who refuse to repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior by the moment that they die. You have that opportunity if you are hearing this message today to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved and be rescued from that judgment because in that judgment, the damnation, the penalty, the verdict is eternal damnation to the lake of fire. It is called the second death and we will look at it later. But if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, praise God, you've got a far different judgment awaiting you. It is called the Bema Seat, Judgment Seat of Christ. Paul referred to it in two different places, and then also 
It's referred to in other places in Scripture. We will talk about that one a little bit in the next episode, but I will bring to your attention as well now, I do have an entire series on that judgment so that you fully understand everything from start to finish, the best that I could give you from the Scriptures. I have tried to bring that out in that series of Bible study. If you want to look it up, it is in the archives. It is called Beaming at the Bema. Beaming at the Bema. And it is all about the judgment seat of Christ. And that is the judgment that the Christians will face. And it truly, it scares us because it has the word judgment on it. But it really is awards day. It's the day of rewards. It's a day to look forward to. It's a day where God in his beautiful grace and mercy, chooses to give rewards to those who have served him. Praise be to God. And it's spoken of here in Revelation. We will speak a little more about that in the next episode. But here, the declaration also says he's going to destroy all the evildoers, the enemies and the wicked people who have destroyed earth. That word is talking about they are the ones who have corrupted or ruined the earth. They have caused it to decay and to rot or corrupted it and perverted it. I want to begin to draw to a close by reading two places in the book of Romans before we end today. The first place is in Romans chapter 1. And I want to begin the reading in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed, or that word means to exchange, the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. This is the kind of evil and evil doing that is being spoken of now. God has been long-suffering. God has been very patient, but time's up. It's coming to pass now. It's going to be dealt with and justice will be done, not just for people, but also for the earth itself, those who have destroyed the earth. I want to close by reading this final passage in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, I want to begin the reading in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation 
eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Praise be to God. So even here we see the creation itself eagerly groaning and awaiting its redemption also because it's been corrupted by evildoers on the earth. And God is now bringing wrath, bringing justice, bringing judgment to correct all of these wrongs. This declaration tells us it's already been decreed. It is on the way. And God is worthy of praise for it all because he is the I am, the one who was, who is, who is to come. He is holy, righteous, and just. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.